It is time for us to begin our midday program here on KRVN. Bit of an overcast day here in central Nebraska, but it's going to clear up. We've got a couple pretty nice days coming with us weather-wise, so that, uh, that'll be good. As It could be an interesting week for sure. Susan Littlefield is in here with us along with Jason Jorgensen and Bob Brogan. And uh, we'll start it off with Susan. Good morning to you. How are things going? Good morning. I blame the sky on Kansas today. Well, it, Kansas certainly has some uh, some culpability to this thing, as it's definitely hazy out there. <laughs> it is, and the smell of smoke that is in the air um, from our neck of the woods, oh, obviously, because really? they're b- burning the Flint Hills. So yeah. that's part of the problem. Well, it's, it's anytime we can blame somebody else, it's a good thing. So uh, <laughs> Exactly. Right. What do you got for us today, Susan? Well, we're going to kick off this Monday uh, with Shaley Peters at 1219. She talks with Tyler Williams on the Weather Ready Farms pilot program. Some more details coming to her from that. Then at 1245, Alex steps in with Dr. Trey Kellner. He's been awarded the UNL's Animal Science Young Alumni of Distinctions Award. He shares what his role is on the swine industry. And then she'll step back in again at 117 as a UNL professor shares more about the Read for Resilience program. So stick around for that. Okay. Lots of stuff going on as always. Thank you, Susan. Appreciate it. No problem. Thank you. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen, and it's kind of that time of year, but a big coaching change here for Central Nebraska. Basketball coach Drew Danielson, he is headed on to Hastings. Of course, Drew, native of York, done a nice job. Cozad, 55-42 and in four years with the Haymakers. They had some... Nice seasons. They were in a rebuilding year this winter, but uh, two years ago they went 19-7. and So it makes sense for him to take over in Hastings for Lance Creech, who is stepping down, so yeah. he can be free to go watch his kids play. Well, I'll tell you, in Hastings, you know, maybe a sleeping giant. They've had moments. They had a nice year athletically this year. They did. A 21-win season, made it to the Class B State Tournament for the first time in 16 years. So we will get Drew's thoughts about leaving Kozad, moving to Hastings. If you'd like to hear the complete uh, interview with that, you can check that out on the podcast page at krvn.com. Also, Nebraska head basketball coach Fred Hoiberg continues to be active, but then when you're coming off a seven-win season... You probably should try to use that transfer portal. And you've lost several <laughs> players already to it. Yeah, yeah the right. uh, Huskers are. They are bringing in uh, pit starter Trey McGowan's. Uh, now, as it stands now, he'd have to set out next year. But, of course, the NCAA has been talking about getting rid of that rule. Right. Uh, he does have two years of eligibility remaining. Pretty decent player the past couple of years. He's averaged more than 11 points per game for the Panthers. He's a point guard, and coming out of high school, he was considered to be a top 100 recruit. Hmm. So uh, third guy to sign this cycle. Hopefully the mayor can find a big guy or two for Nebraska, but they are they are refreshing the roster, and that's the best way to put it. Once again. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. Stocks having a nice day today. Traders on Wall Street appear to be grasping at some early signs of hope in the coronavirus outbreak, and that's kind of spurred stocks on. Oil prices down after a meeting between Russia and OPEC aimed at defusing a price war that was pushed back a few days. And uh, there was a heated debate between uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci over the use of an anti-malaria drug with uh, members of the administration. And so that's kind of an ongoing issue.
All right, all kinds of stuff coming up here on Mid. Rely on KRVN for up-to-date information on COVID-19. From closings, the latest governor's press conference, and DHHS virus reports, we'll bring you the facts and latest news on the coronavirus. Visit our coronavirus information tab at krvn.com for up-to-the-minute local and state news, and tune in every weeknight at 5 p.m. for a special KRVN this evening. Depend on KRVN to keep you informed on COVID-19. COVID-19 coverage is brought to you by COZAD Community Health. It is time for us to take a look at uh, our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins in here right now. we got some clouds over central and eastern Nebraska, but it looks like it's working to burn off a little bit here, Paul. <laughs> exactly. We will see some sunshine, and we will see some very nice weather for today thanks to a warm front lifting north through the region. It's still stuck in southern Nebraska, and that's where we do have the clouds just in the north of this front, but they will be lifting as this front does lift through the region. But yeah, uh, currently from about Ainsworth down to North Platte and Imperial still to the southeast of that line, quite a bit of cloud cover, but to the northwest of it, lots of sunshine, and they're warming up nicely as you do head towards the west. Yeah, that's the thing that you really notice is the the temperature differences, of course, where there's there's a little more sunshine, and we're going to see some of that in the next couple of days for sure. Exactly, especially as we head towards tomorrow. Right now, our temperatures pretty much slow in the upper 50s to low 60s, despite that cloud cover holding those temperatures down. We are as warm as 72 in eastern areas of Colorado towards the uh, Burlington, Colorado area. So they're living right right now. Sunshine on the way. Temperatures going to be 10 to 15 degrees above normal today when that warm front does lift in the north. South winds not going to be too strong today. They will continue that flow of a smoky haze from controlled burns in the Flint Hills of east central Kansas. In advance of a cold front for tomorrow, that will be our warmest in the next seven days with highs tomorrow topping out at about 20 degrees above normal. And tomorrow could be our warmest day that we see in quite a while because we do have a major cool down headed our way by the end of the week that looks to last for quite a while. For Wednesday, low pressure over south-central Canada will push a strong cold front south through our region. That front will drop for temperatures just to seasonal levels on Wednesday, but winds will be strong, potentially gusting up to about 35 to 40 with that front's passage. Thursday and Friday, mainly dry with temperatures near or slightly below normal. Then we will see low pressure track across the southern plains Friday night through Sunday. With it, we'll see some mainly small chances of rain with the possibility of some thunderstorms and some much cooler air by Easter morning could bring in a wintry mix to our forecast. When it does cool down, it looks to stay that way for quite a while. In the latest long-term forecast, it's highly likely temperatures will be colder than normal this weekend through April 19th for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S., There are some long-range forecasts that indicate the next week's daytime highs in central Nebraska only going to be in the mid to upper 40s for most of the week. And most overnight lows are forecast to be in the upper 20s to low 30s, so much colder for next week, relatively speaking, what we're going to enjoy this week. Above normal precipitation remains likely for Nebraska, Kansas, and much of the U.S. this weekend through the 19th. Soil temperatures four inches down at 7 this morning in much of Nebraska, especially west-central to eastern Nebraska in the low to mid-40s. North-central Nebraska and the Panhandle had soil temperatures in the mid to upper 30s. From extreme southeast Nebraska into Kansas, soil temperatures in the upper 40s to low 50s. Weather factors in the markets include colder temperatures for the central U.S. and dry conditions in south Russia 
An early week period of warm and mainly dry weather across the central and eastern U.S. will yield to more active weather. A storm currently affecting California, expected to reach the Gulf Coast late in the week. So that system mainly tracking to our south. A strong cold front reaching the northern plains and upper Midwest by Wednesday will result in chilly conditions engulfing most areas east of the Rockies with the core of that cold air affecting the Midwest and northeast. In the Midwest and northern plains, the colder temperatures with that front and also for next week will slow down the recent uptick in field work and some planning progress. The western southern plains expected to be dry the next week to 10 days, which will be unfavorable for wheat and post-dormancy development. Cool to cold temperatures also in the southern plains later this weekend and next also bear some watching for possible wheat crop stress. The delta has been drier the past five days, which has allowed for some field work, but daily rain chances return this week and will lead to some disruption in their field work. In the Black Sea region of South Russia, soil moisture right now short to very short with very little rain expected in the next five days. The area will be watched closely for stressed wheat after they had a dry month in March. You know, Paul, I had this teed up for you to talk about all this wonderful weather we had coming, and what'd you do? It just doesn't sound that nice next week, does exactly. it? Exactly. Word of advice, strong words to live by here. Enjoy today and tomorrow. Uh, all right, that's fine. That's fine. We, at least we have today and tomorrow. Exactly, so, yeah. So we got that going for us. Okay, very Once good. Once the sun hits, we'll be good. Okay, very good. Thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? Weather tab, krvn.com. District. Weather Ready Farms kicks off their pilot program. I'm Shaley Peters joining you back here on the Rural Radio Network, and we're going to visit today with one of the people helping implement this. It's Tyler Williams, Cropping Systems Extension Educator with the University of Nebraska Lincoln. And Tyler, we'll get into what exactly this means for producers and how uh, they can involve this program on their operation. But first, just talk about the program itself, uh, what the inspiration behind it was, and how you guys are planning on implementing this as you begin to roll it out. Sure, thanks, Shaley. And yeah, this is a, it's been a project that's been uh, sort of in the plan for, for a couple years, but uh, we've kind of put out some, uh, uh, a little bit here and then adjust it and back and forth. And so we're, we're kind of ready for, uh, to get a larger uh, test of, of our self-assessment of this weather-ready farm program. And so uh, essentially what it is, is it's a sort of a four-step program where Extension works with uh, a producer. We uh, go through this self-assessment, which looks at practices on a farm, and then and then we sort of help uh, producers reach those milestones or um, practices that are mentioned on that self-assessment checklist. We go through a phase where we help you. We provide some education to do that piece. We um, then kind of jump in and go out and visit the farm, see maybe what things we need to work on, um, look at the changes that have been done. Uh, once all, all of those uh, practices have been met within that self-assessment, then we certify that farm and verify that all those practices are being done. And so it's sort of this whole process of, you know, kind of what are you doing, where can you get to, and then how can extension help you get there, kind of all built into this program, which the, the ultimate goal is to reduce risk to, to weather events on farms. Um, there's, you know, a hundred different ways you can do that. And so that's kind of why we do this, uh, this self-assessment to kind of put a first snapshot, but also work with extension to to hash out some of those things that are flexible or unique to a certain farm. 
you mentioned some of the goals behind the program, but also you guys, there is a level of a efficiency happening along with this. You're working with some partners, different government, non-governmental agencies to reduce the duplication of reporting in several instances. Yeah, that, that's kind of one of our one of our hopes as we're as we're developing this. And so we've uh, we've visited with uh, folks at NRCS to try to align this with some of their programs. Uh, we've had some unofficial discussions with some NRDs on talking about you know how this program fit into maybe some of the applications that they have. And so a lot of the questions that we ask, a lot of the things that we would recommend in this, are a lot of the same things that NRDs would recommend to receive some of their cost share. And so our hope is that we can sort of come to some agreements with a lot of these groups that if you're a part of this Weather Ready Farms program, you automatically qualify for X, Y, and Z NRD program or, you know, X, Y, and Z NRCS program. Um, so we've had some early discussions. So it's a matter of aligning these practices and doing it in a way that, that can be recognized by these other agencies. But that's one of our ultimate goals, too, is to only have to do some of this, this stuff once um, and, and have, you know, a lot of other benefits for putting in the time and effort to do that. And finally, Tyler, maybe some of the most important information, if producers are interested in getting involved, what's the best way for them to get started and find more information on this pilot program? Um, yeah, so you can, you can reach out to me directly, uh, Tyler Williams at UNL, you'll, you'll find me. Uh, but we have a website, uh, weather-ready.unl.edu. But if anyone has interest or uh, wants to help out or just kind of see what it is, uh, weather-ready.unl.edu is probably the best way to find most of that information. Thanks so much. Again, our guest today, Tyler Williams. He is a UNL Cropping Systems Extension Educator talking about their Weather Ready Farms pilot program. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. It's time for sports. Here's Jason. Hey, thanks, Tyler. Well, after four seasons, Cozid head boys basketball coach Drew Danielson is moving on to the head coaching job at Hastings. The native of York went 55-42 and 42 in his four years coaching the Haymakers. Cozad was Danielson's first head coaching job, and he says the job with the Tigers has always kind of been on his radar. Being in Class B, um, you know, being, in, being competitive there, and um, I've always kind of looked at Hastings High as, as a very attractive job. Um, and I think some of the, the small-town values and, and core principles and beliefs um, that was at the cornerstone of our program here in Cozad um, can work in, in a community like Hastings. Danielson's best season was during the 2018-19 campaign when the Haymakers went 19-7 and and advanced to the district final. He takes over for Lance Creech, who stepped down for the position after leading the Tigers to the Class B State Tournament for the first time in 16 years. My complete interview with Danielson can be found on the podcast page at krvn.com. The Nebraska High School Sports Hall of Fame announced its induction class over the weekend. One of those being honored is former Husker volleyball star Jordan Larson of Loganview High School. Larson was also just named to the Nebraska Athletic Hall of Fame. She feels very fortunate to still be able to play at a high level. Oh, man. I never in a million years thought that I would be playing this long. I mean, I read I kind of had some desire and wanted it, right? But I never thought that it would be possible or my body would hold up because, I mean, it's been okay. I mean, I haven't had too bad of a 
um, you know, injury report, I guess you could say. And so, um, yeah, I've just been really blessed to be able to continue. And Larson was a three-time All-American in Nebraska and has appeared in two Olympics for Team USA. She plans to be a part of the Olympics next year in Tokyo. Larson was actually playing professionally in China and just made it back to the United States in January before the travel ban was imposed. Nebraska head coach Fred Hoiberg continues to refresh his roster. Over the weekend, pit starter Trey McGowan's announced he'll join the Big Red. Now, McGowan's probably has to set out next year, but would have two years of eligibility remaining. He's averaged 11 points per game for the Panthers and coming out of high school was considered to be a top 100 recruit. NUNK volleyball head coach Rick Squires announced today that Treslin Ortiz will be the Lopers' new graduate assistant. The Texan and soon-to-be graduate of Division II Wingate University in North Carolina will join the program this summer. She replaces Kenzie Crawford, whose two-year appointment ended last season. She's now an assistant coach at Army. That's a look at sports. For more, you can find it anytime at krfn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. Cattle producers continue to have struggles now more than ever with COVID-19. Hi, I'm Susan Littlefield with the Rural Radio Network, and I'd like to invite you to a panel discussion this Wednesday evening, starting at 6 p.m. Central Time. This hour-and-a-half webinar will bring expert panelists to share their insights and discuss the impact of COVID-19 on the beef industry. Register free today at our website, ruralradio.com. In addition to the online stream, the webinar will be aired live on 880 KRVN. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone by Dr. Trey Kellner. He will be honored by the Animal Science Department at UNL with the Young Alumni of Distinction Award. Trey, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, Alex. Well, first we want to just get to know you a little bit. Uh, Tell us about the work you're doing right now. Sure. So I'm currently the swine nutritionist for AMBC Nutritional Services. And I'd oversee about 150,000 sows and about 1.2 million finishing pigs across nine different states. Um, So we go from Wyoming to uh, Missouri and then from North Dakota to Ohio. And we work with about 28 different feed mills to execute um, our feeding programs within those particular regions. And then beyond that, we'd oversee our quality assurance program and then some of our data pieces as well. And if I read correctly, Trey, you were the very first swine nutritionist to be brought on, right? Yeah, that's correct. That was the, the fun and the challenging part about accepting this position um, out of graduate school um, is AMBC uh, didn't have a swine nutritionist at the time, so allowed me to kind of put my thumbprint on what the position and, and what the department um, could be, and, and that's been fun and challenging at the same point in time, and it, it learned a lot because of that. Well, let's backtrack and learn about your journey and, and how you got there. Uh, you're originally from Kansas. I remember that. Uh, tell us about kind of how you grew up. Uh, did you grow up on an operation? Sure. So, yeah, grew up in KRV Inland, uh, just outside of Stockton, Kansas. Um, my dad was the cooperative feed mill manager, so that's kind of how I got my nutrition and, and feed manufacturing background. Um, and we, you know, had a small fair-to-finish operation um, where I showed pigs, um, in 4-H and FFA. Um, from there, um, attended Colby Community College on a livestock judging scholarship to the state in western Kansas and then transferred to the University of Nebraska at Lincoln once again on a livestock judging scholarship 
and got my bachelor's in animal science there. Yeah, and it, it looks like you were really involved in your undergrad. Tell us what other things you were you were doing. Sure. So I uh, was a member of the Alpha Gamma Rho fraternity um, and was our first vice noble ruler there and, and currently serve on our um, alumni board there in Lincoln. Um, as I mentioned, involved in the livestock judging team, um, we had a very successful run now 10 years ago, you know, where we were uh, third at the national contest and I was named uh, um, an All-American that year. So that was that was really cool and fun to look back on. I uh, was also involved in, in block and bridle um, and, you know, was on the, the meat animal eval team as well. So even though I was only there for two and a half years, was was pretty involved on campus and, and definitely fond memories to look back on. Yeah, so then fast forward a little bit, you decided to keep pursuing your education. Uh, where where did you go, and, and what did you decide to do? So after uh, my time at Nebraska, went to Iowa State University, where I got my master's and PhD in animal science, specifically on swine nutrition. Um, so really looked at the digestion, metabolism, and deposition of, of fat within market hogs. Um, and then also just learned about things that I... Um, you know, employ on a daily basis in my current role. So, you know, diet formulation, um, feed manufacturing, um, et cetera. So studied under Dr. John Patience there for six years and then graduated with my PhD in 2017. Trey, you're very involved and you've accomplished a lot. What advice would you give to anybody who's kind of looking to, to do what you're doing and explore some uncharted territory? Really good question. I would say the first is um, never leave um, a door closed, meaning if, if there's an opportunity to introduce yourself to someone, you know, not, maybe not during, you know, COVID-19 times because a lot of these functions have been canceled or postponed, um, but going forward, you know, if there's an opportunity to introduce yourself and say, hey, I'm really interested in, in potentially having a position like yours, I think the more you can have those type of conversations and and build your network, I think those conversations um, are worth their weight in gold. So that would be the first suggestion that I have. The second suggestion that I have is stay committed, listen, and learn. There's a lot of good information that's out there uh, that can uh, be valuable to you outside of the classroom or outside of your current operation, what you're doing today. So, you know, instead of, you know, getting on your phone and scrolling through Twitter, read technical pieces. Read, read stuff that's in popular press magazines that's when a particular trait. Um, listen to KRVN every now and then. Those, those lessons that you learn through that are really valuable. So those are the things that, that I would initially um, provide suggestions on. Absolutely. Well, Trey, I, just from this conversation, I know you're going to keep going. What's next for you? What do you hope to accomplish? Yeah, so right now just trying to get through the, the challenges of, of COVID-19 and what it's placed on the swine industry. So, um, you know, if you look at the futures board, um, you know, about 30% of the value has been lost within the past two weeks. So, so trying to update our feeding programs and our marketing strategies to, you know, overcome some difficult financial challenges that are going to face us um, over the next six months is, as, you know, um, the U.S. is doing the, you know, the right thing here and, and shutting things down. Um, but, yeah, trying to maintain our operation through that. So when, you know, the doors do start to open and our economy starts rolling again, that, that we're in a good financial situation um, to be able to still, you know, provide pork um, to our consumers and our customers. Um, from there, you know, long term, we'd, we'd like to continue to grow with AMBC. 
um, you know, continue to expand, um, you know, leadership and oversight to our production systems and our, you know, 700 employees that we have currently. So that's kind of the, the short-term and the long-term goals, Alex. All right. We've been joined by Dr. Trey Kellner. He, again, will be honored by the Animal Science Department at UNL with the Young Alumni of Distinction Award. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. With the Business Report, I'm Bob Brogan. Traders on Wall Street appear to be grasping at some early signs of hope in battling the coronavirus outbreak. Stocks jumped at the open, as they have around the world today. The Dow was up as much as 5% in the first hour of trading, following strong gains in Europe and Asia. The rally comes as the number of people dying appeared to slow over the weekend in Spain, Italy, and New York City. Oil prices are down after a meeting between Russia and OPEC aimed at defusing a price war was pushed back a few days. Analysts are expecting Saudi Arabia and Russia might tone down their price war at a time when the world is awash in oil as demand collapses. The Trump administration's trade advisor says he had a heated debate with Dr. Anthony Fauci over the use of an anti-malaria drug that has not yet officially been approved for fighting COVID-19. Peter Navarro is emphatically promoting use of the drug, even though scientists say more testing is needed before it's clear that it's safe and effective against the virus. Navarro is on the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Coronavirus patients around the world are rushing to join studies of an experimental drug that has shown promise against some similar viruses in the past. Interest in the drug remdesivir has been so great that the U.S. National Institutes of Health is boosting the size of its study. Drug maker Gilead Sciences is quickly enrolling patients in its own studies, too. The drug is designed to interfere with an enzyme that reproduces viral genetic material. Central banks and governments continue to buy time, flooding their economies with trillions in aid. Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe is preparing to announce a $1 trillion economic package as early as tomorrow, while Germany is trying to ease the flow of financial aid to small and medium-sized companies. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Bob Brogan. Protect yourself and others from COVID-19. Nebraskans can help protect themselves from the coronavirus and other respiratory infections by staying home if you are sick and avoiding close contact with those who are sick. Washing hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water aren't available, use an alcohol-based sanitizer. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces. For more information, visit krvn.com. Alex Wojcicki reporting on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined on the phone today by Amy Napoli and Holly Hatton-Bowers. They are both assistant professors in the departments of Child, Youth, and Family Studies at UNL and members of the Learning Child team. Ladies, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Amy, let's let's talk about this program first. We're talking about a program today called Read for Resilience. Can you tell us what this is all about? Yeah, so we our team started this project last year in March in response to the natural disasters that hit the Midwest and specifically Nebraska. We started with nine storybooks. Uh, we have more that are coming out. We identified storybooks with themes of 
um, resilience, coping, and emotional well-being, um, and develops what we call storybook guides that have prompts caregivers can ask and activities that they can do with the children. And you mentioned that this was put together last year in response to the flooding, but now it's also becoming really useful in these challenging times that we're facing. Yes, exactly. So the the books that we identified um, aren't specific to natural disasters or flooding or anything like that. Um, It's more just that theme of resilience and coping. So um, we've gotten a lot of great feedback that they can be useful in many situations, um, and particularly, as you said, right now uh, with the stress that a lot of families and children are facing. Yeah, Holly, do you want to touch on that a little bit? I know that we talked before we got recording that you've kind of dug into the emotional well-being aspect of all of this. What's your role in this? Yeah, so we, um, when we developed the storybook guides, along with some books that can help children relate to the characters, um, whether they're going through different types of stressors um, or worries, that we developed the storybook guides with some questions that can really um, assess where children are at or think about what are your feelings around, you know, separation. Um, for instance, we have one called the invisible string. So the questions ask about what does it feel like to miss your friends that you might have had at school? Um, and along, that, along with that, we have in our storybook guides um, some tips and suggestions for supporting children, as well as the parents and caregivers who may also be feeling some stress. You guys also said um, you guys are in the midst of developing a COVID-specific storybook guide. Can you tell us what this entails? Yes. So um, Dr. Christine Borst, who is a marriage and family therapist, she developed a storybook that's available for free called What is Coronavirus? And it's available in English and Spanish. Um, And we've contacted her about developing a storybook guide to go along with that. I'll just add with the activities, I think what's really Um, helpful about them is that they're activities that provide some strategies for um, coping and dealing with the stress. Um, So they're extension activities, for instance, with the COVID-19 of understanding what are germs, for example, or what does it mean for me to be safe and to be healthy in in this pandemic. How do caregivers and parents get access to these resources? So we have a website, which is child.unl.edu slash read number four resilience and we have currently nine of the storybook guides that are available for free anyone can download them Um, we're in the process right now of um, formatting the the last um, storybook guides that we've been developing so we will have um, at least 10 more coming out within the next couple of weeks All right. Great information, ladies. Thanks so much for joining us. We've been joined by Amy Napoli and Holly Hatton-Bowers. They are both assistant professors in the Department of Child, Youth, and Family Studies at UNL. As we've been discussing, read for resilience stories and story guides to help children and caregivers cope with all of their emotions during this time. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton on the Rural Radio Network, and I'm joined with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel Zag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. And John, getting out quite a bit of day-to-day, we're about to get out the first crop progress report, but there is some green on the screen, and really it seems like that story is still with the wheat. Yeah, wheat's got a story here, uh, especially if we can get some weather to develop in the Black Sea. I think that's really what it comes down to. I know, you know, there's some things with the dollar that you want to watch, and Certainly low acreage in the U.S. is is worth noting, but Russia has a big acreage area, but their winter wheat, and really more Ukraine and Russia when I say both, 
um, you know, this is the time. So the, the next two months, really the next six weeks, will be open to a lot of weather. And I think in the near term, uh, um, you know, there's probably some upside on the wheat. I think that, you know, hopefully that can pull into the corn. But right now I think wheat's going to have to go go it alone, as, uh, as we like to say. And talk about going alone there. We also have this soybean. Soybeans are in the green today, but I've been closely watching this meal market. And again, it's close, settling near its lows of the day. So does that signal maybe some more pressure once those two start to connect again? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'd like I'd like to be a bean bull. I think it would be. It's a fun price to buy it. I just don't see the reason why it needs to crack and go down into the low eights. But my th- my thinking is the next month is just don't get tempted to chase it. Uh, you might get good news out of the out of the the global markets. You know, all the stimulus that's finally going to hit. But I just think you want to get through the delivery period here. We've got a little over a week, uh, a month, or a little under a month rather, till uh, first notice day, and I think that'll pull meal down. And then eventually, I think uh, we'll make a low here, just like we did a year ago, uh, you know, end of April. And then, you know, maybe we into a little bit of a U.S. weather story here for beans. As well, Thursday, we've got the latest WASDA report up. Anything you're thinking there ahead of the report? <laughs> well, it can't get any worse, can it? <laughs> at least that's uh, the thinking. Um, you know, we're going to get our first look at new crop carryovers using this new acreage, which is, you know, incredibly high. But I think you got to take it with a grain of salt. Uh, the market is, I don't know, in my opinion, it's got upside, but I'm just so darn beat up right now. My men, my psyche is, is a good reflection of the market, and I just don't feel don't feel like the low is in yet. I think we got to get through the next couple of weeks, confirmation of, you know, that maybe this, this thing is starting to slow. So the next two weeks of the medical front will be huge, and maybe that will coincide with the bottom. Again, we're talking with John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniel's Ag Marketing in Chicago. You can learn more at their website, danielsagmarketing.com. Again, danielsagmarketing.com. Do remember, trading futures and options involves risk of loss. may not be suitable for all investors. Please consider those risks before investing. Some solid closes here for the wheat as they settle about in the middle of their range, but if stayed positive all day, corn will end about three cents lower. And that'll do it for today's edition of Midday. Of course, if you want to relive any of today's Midday program, you can visit and listen to our podcast, which is brought to you by Deveni Motors. That is also online at krvn.com or subscribe to our Midday podcast wherever you can on iTunes, Spotify, wherever iTunes or wherever the uh, podcasts are available. Howdy, folks. This is Rick from Deveni Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram, and McCook. When you're ready to buy a new vehicle, expect that our hardworking, experienced staff will treat you just like family. Go to DaviniChryslerJeepDodge.com today. And remember, it's not a deal until it's a Davini deal.